So my 11-year-old Ollie has ordered some unspeakable merch on eBay. Does anybody know? I'm looking this way. What's unspeakable merch? Any ideas? No. Okay. So unspeakable... Someone knows. Unspeakable is a video blogger and really, like, really awesome, amazing. And merch is short for merchandise. So what I've worked out is that he's ordered an unspeakable T-shirt on eBay and he's been watching it um, on its way from Chicago because you can actually track your package. You can go into the email, click the little track my package thing and pretty much every day he is tracking that passage package. He's looking to see and it's going from Chicago, it's going to the East Coast and then it arrived in Melbourne. You wouldn't believe the excitement when that package arrived in Melbourne. Um, but he is so excited about this package arriving that he has already decided that he's wearing that T-shirt on Christmas Day. He's, he's got such anticipation built up, it is already signed, sealed and delivered and he's pretty much just already put it on. So I wonder, here's my little thing, we're talking about arrivals and I wonder how much you're anticipating the arrival of Christmas. Ready? On a scale from zero to a hundred, are you at... I've forgotten his name. Grinch to... Griswold. Put your hand up if you know who Griswold is. Griswold. Yep. Okay. Really bad 80s series or maybe 90s series of films. And this guy, Griswold, he was just OTT when it came to Christmas. That's over the top. Um, and like he lit the Christmas tree on fire. He had his house like every square inch decorated. I wonder if I were to do a show of hands... Um, whether whether it would actually correlate to our ages. I'm not, I don't know. Anyway, um, but I wonder. I wonder whether you're at at Grinch Christmas bar humbug, or if you are at Griswold. Bring it on! I never took the tree down from last year. Anybody? No, never mind. So our topic is arrival, and there's much to love about Christmas. In fact, Christmas is one of those things that, that, you know, in years gone by, I've really loved. I've loved the idea of um, Christmas. I've loved the idea of schools finishing and wrapping up and none of that stuff that you have to do every single morning of the week. I love the fact that we're ushering in summer. I love the fact that you can eat food that you love because people, like, put effort into cooking it. Um, but there's also a lot of complexity to Christmas. And I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. Uh, I know that the people in the room, there'll be people who say, yeah, Christmas is complex. There's that whole issue of how to be with family. You know that saying, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family? Christmas is complex. Or the whole um, dilemma of managing how much to spend on gifts and how much to buy into the, what the world tells us in terms of materialism. And we've got to juggle that. Or just the sheer busyness of Christmas, of like events to go to, because pretty much every single thing you do in your life has a Christmas breakup. Is it true? It's true. So here's my question today. How can we choose a posture of hope when it's complex, when it's difficult, when it's hard? How can we actually choose, and not just at Christmas, but this could play out in the rest of our lives. How do we choose a posture of hope? And I would like to have a look at Mary to unpack how she chose a posture of hope. So you know the backstory. I've got to work out which one to push. There we go. You know the backstory. 
an angel came to visit Mary and said to Mary, you know, um, you found favour with God, you're going to have a child, he's going to be called Jesus, he's going to be the king of the world and he's going to be the great solution. And Mary's response is, let it be as you've said. She didn't say, hang on, woe back, let me have a think. She didn't say, hang on, let me go and talk to Joe about it because this is big. She didn't say, like, can you put it in writing so I can read the fine print and get some greater clarity on this? She didn't say any of those things. She didn't even say, hang on, you know a girl can get stoned for that in this day and age. She didn't say any of those things. She said, let it be as you say, which I think is enormous. But I don't think it means she wouldn't have grappled. I am actually, like there was a few moments in that video clip that we just watched, which is, you know, like we're imagining this is how she would have had to grapple with this and and how she may have dealt with it. Um, We're extrapolating the story. But there are a few moments in that video footage where you can just see her mind is working. She is grappling She's, she's calling up the things that the angel said and she's trying to make it make sense in the world around her and she's trying to work out where she's going to position herself, how she's going to deal with her, what are people going to think, how's this going to work and she's grappling and it's really complex. But she's smart as well because there was one moment where the angel said, oh and by the way, you're going to need someone to talk to this about, you're going to need someone to like eyeball you and grapple together, Elizabeth. She's actually already with child. You know the one that the world said she was barren and too old and would never have children because anything's possible with God. And so Mary, she's like, I gotta talk to someone, I gotta I gotta make sense of this, I've gotta sort this out. Elizabeth, I will go to Elizabeth. I'll go to Elizabeth because I know who she is and I know that she's grounded in God. And she'll be able to help. So she hot-foots it off and goes to see Elizabeth. And this is what happens. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby gave a leap in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and shouted at the top of her voice of all women, you're the blessed one and the fruit of your womb, he is blessed too. And she goes on and says, why would this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? A blessing on you for believing what the Lord said would come true. That's quite a moment. Um, There's three things I want you to notice from that piece of the story of Elizabeth's response. The first one is Elizabeth could have greeted her with condemnation. Elizabeth could have said... Uh, no, I don't think so, not you, because in that culture, to be young, unwed and pregnant was not okay. But she didn't. Elizabeth overturned everything in that moment when she embraced Mary. It changed everything. The second thing is that she greeted Mary in the context of the child, She didn't say, oh, Mary, it's so great to see you. You're looking fabulous. It's all wonderful. Your life's going to be different forever. She didn't. She said, oh, my goodness, the mother of the child is here. And your child made my child leap. She greeted Mary in the context of the child. And the third thing, which I really love, 
and I'm going to read this because I wrote it and I don't want to get it wrong. How is, how amazing is the experience of countering the index Sorry, of encountering the evidence of each other's story and it results in shouts and joy. The encountering of the evidence of each other's story. When she gets there and she goes, oh, you are, and the other one goes, I am, and you are, and we are. And, and the, the answer is, how good's God? How good is God? And it results in shouts and joy and excitement and hope and triumph. And the next bit pretty much just bursts out of Mary. It just kind of bubbles out of her. I can't jump on here because it will wobble and you'll all freak out that I'll fall off or something. (laughs) Um, This is what happens next. Is that Mary um, has a change in the story. There's a shift in the context for her. I think for me... Moving into Christmas, it's actually a little bit complicated. And so what I've tried to do is immerse myself in this story and and soak myself in there in the hopes that I might restory my life. And I think that's exactly what's happened here for Mary with Elizabeth. The, The story got reaffirmed and lifted up and made bigger and made wider and shouted. And this is Mary's response. My soul declares that the Lord is great. My spirit exalts my saviour, my God. He saw his servant girl in humility. The powerful one whose name is holy has done great things for me. And she's looking in at herself and what God has done for her because she is just a humble, lowly servant. And then it's like she looks up and he says, his mercy extends from father to son, from mother to daughter to those who fear him. And it's like she's getting, like she's stepping back and having an even bigger look at what God has done. And then she steps back another step and looks even bigger and says, powerful things he's done with his arm. Down from the thrones, he hurled the rulers. Up from the earth, he's raised the humble. It's it's getting bigger and more triumphant uh, as she goes. And then she lands it on this beautiful crescendo, which is the age-old promise that she would have known forever, and that is this. He has rescued his servant Israel because he remembered his promise, just as he said to Abraham and his descendants forever. God has done what he said he would do. He has. He's done what he said he would do. But here's my question. Has he? Because I, I looked long and hard at what Mary said and pretty much she said he has and that that doesn't make sense because she was at risk of being stoned so clearly he hasn't you know or or she could have just looked around in the surrounding villages and found people hungry or or she you know like in the video that we watched the the Roman rulers were, were trampling the people so he hasn't has he But she was clear in, so I'm questioning the tense here. You know, past tense, present tense, future tense. Has he actually done it? I don't know. But she was pretty sure. So my question is, where did she dig up that hope from? Where did she dig it up from? She she found hope. She had hope. It's clear. It's in her words. But my question is, it's not just... 
your plain old run-of-the-mill, cross-your-fingers-hold-your-breath hope, like I hope I might get a PlayStation for Christmas. It's a, it's a deep, knowing, assured, confident hope that we're hearing in her words, and I want to know where she got it. So the two places I think she got it, one, are she went back into her past. She went back into the story she had been told since she was a tiny, tiny girl of who God was for the people uh, of Israel. She would, have, she would have remembered the song of Hannah, who was a woman uh, who, whom God blessed with a child and sang the praises of God. She would have remembered the songs of Miriam, who sang about the people of Israel being like freed from the Egyptian slavery and how good is God, sang the song. She would have remembered all the stories about who God was and, and what his promises were and how good he was. But the second one was that she actually went and borrowed some hope. Because when you're in the mess, when you're in the muck, when you're in the mud, when you're just up to your eyeballs and hoping to keep your chin above water, you actually can't always see the big picture. You can't always see the big story. You can't always see what's actually true. And so she went to Elizabeth to kind of shore up her hope, to kind of back up her hope. Uh, someone to confirm her confidence, not just as an ally in this pregnancy complexity, but is, as an ally in what God has promised. And I'm going to call it borrowed hope. Oh, you can't see that. It's white. It's borrowed hope. You'll have to remember. I'm going to call it borrowed hope. So over the last number of months, a friend of mine would say to me often, this is not how life is going to stay. This is, this is not how it is going to end. And if you don't have hope, then borrow mine. And I would say, with an internal roll of the eyeballs, that's not how it works. That's lovely, but that's not how it works. You can't just borrow hope. It's too hard. It doesn't work. And I shrug my shoulders. But, you know, I, I actually wonder if it does work. I, I actually wonder if it does work. Because she was a wise, mature, caring, insightful, invested person who was fully grounded in the story of God in the world and actually brought the presence of God with her into the conversation and said, do you want to borrow my hope? Actually, it did work. It, it bolstered my hope, which, which had depleted to nothing but that cross your fingers, hold your breath kind of hope. And it actually lifted and bolstered my hope. Borrowed hope. I think that's what Elizabeth did for Mary. Not that Mary was completely depleted of hope because she had, she had that great backstory and she had that angel visit and it was, it was pretty writ large in her head, but she needed that hope bolstered. So that's great. Tick. We know where she's got the passion from, but it still doesn't explain the tense, does it? She's saying has, and I want to know whether she means has, is, will, or did. But she says has. He actually has. He has scattered the proud. Sorry. He has scattered the proud. He has turned the words, the, sorry, the world's values upside down, and he has filled the hungry. But he hasn't. 
because she could just look around in the world and see that. So what's with her tents? I wonder whether when she's thinking about scattering the proud, that he has scattered the proud, she's remembering that um, story in, in Genesis where the people thought they were so clever that they could build a tower to God. In their pride and arrogance, they thought they could reach up to God, but he scattered them. So she's probably remembering that and singing that in her song. And she's, this, this idea of turning the world's values upside down, she's probably remembering some passages from Isaiah where it talks about the broken hearts will be bound up, the, um, the oppressed will be set free, the chains will be broken. And she's remembering those things and singing those words. And she's singing songs from Psalms, like Psalm 107, which says, They cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them. He satisfied the longing of their soul and the hungry he fills with good things. She's, she's pulling all of those things up from her history and she's saying he has. But he hasn't. But he has. Sort of, but not yet, maybe. What do you think? Has he? Was she right? So here's my theory. When I take my son Jack bowling and he gets... So my son, not Jack. I'm thinking of Charlie because Jack doesn't use the little ramp thing. Sorry. (laughs) Anybody else in the room get their kids' names wrong? Charlie's... The ball's too heavy. So he, he gets that ramp thing that you put the ball on the top of. You know what I'm talking about, kids in the room? You can bin bowling and you get that ramp thing and you get the ball and you put the ball on the top and then you line that ramp up and you get it and you like you close one eye and you look down and you're aiming at the pins and you've got the angle exactly right and then just at the moment you hold your breath and with the gentlest little push and it goes. And it's completely and utterly set in motion and it has been done and whether it's a strike or whatever happens at the other end is completely and utterly done. So when Mary stands up and says he has, it's because the moment that baby is in her womb, it is done. The world's values are turned the right way up, the hungry are fed, the oppressed are released and every good thing that we hoped for is done. So the question is, is she mad? Or does she get it? Does she see that the hope of the future is bleeding into the current present? I actually think she's seeing, she's seeing double. You know, when you can see both things. She's seeing the reality of now and the possibility of God has done what he always said he would do. How, how is my, I've lost track of my time. Are we good? I've got a couple of things I want to finish with. There's a song that we often sing at Christmas time, which is Mary, Did You Know? Um, You know, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby will one day rule the nations? I don't think she did. But I think she knew that God was good and that he did what he said he would do and that the great victory and triumph of God was done. It was started, it was set in motion and it was done. And so she could sing, he has, 
with great triumph and great victory. And I doubt that Mary knew that her son would suffer at the hands of wicked men and be crucified on a cross in order for it to all be done. But she knew that God was good for what he said he would do. His word was good and he kept his promise. And out of that, Mary sang. But there's a twist. It wasn't just Mary who birthed Jesus into this world. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have decided to follow him and have a relationship with him and he dwells within you, then you too have a responsibility of birthing him into this world. You have that responsibility. And will you do what Mary didn't do and say, well, I might check the fine print. Oh, I might get a bit condemned by it. I'm not so sure. It might be hard. I'm not sure I'm up to it. I'm not sure you're good for you. No, will you just say, let it be, as you say, and I'll do it. Yes, because you're good for your promise. But you need to remember two things. Well, the two things that Mary remembered was to rely on that big story of God. And if you're someone who doesn't know the big story of God, then ask God to reveal it to you this Christmas. Unpack it, delve into it, and see if it doesn't restory your life like it has been mine. And the second thing is find people. Find other people from whom to borrow hope. And if you are one of those people, and I know there are many, many in this room who are overflowing with hope to abundance then are you going to lean in and share it? For whom will you share your joy? With whom will you share your joy? For whom will you fight? With whom will you dig? Where will you lean in? Where will you shine the bright hope that is Jesus who is the light of the world? Will you do that the way Mary did? And will you sing? And because no talk is finished without Narnia, there is a moment in the story of Narnia where there is a great army ensuing and the battle is raging and they have swords drawn and they are on horses and there's fire in their belly and there's anger and they're heading towards a bridge at a river and a little girl walks out and stops an entire army dead in its tracks What's going on in her that would give her that kind of confidence and boldness and hope in the face of complexity? There it is. Do you see it? She says, I'm with him. I'm with him. And for us, that's the answer to my question. The question that I posed right at the start In a complex world, how can we have a posture of hope? We can say, I'm with him and he's good for his promise and he did what he said he would do and it's done and he's done it, he has and he is and he will and he did. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing a really beautiful song. I wonder if it might be a moment to reflect for you. The, The question of, do I need to restory my life? Do I need to have another think about God being good for his promise and how capable he is? Or do I need to draw people in around me 
because the hope of Christmas is none other than Jesus. And he is actually the answer, and it is done.